ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of the Wasp Report. And it feels so nice to say this. It's a Wasp Report after a Wasps win. And not, not just any Wasps win, but a Wasps win where they put in the best performance in Premiership Rugby this weekend, the weekend of the restart. I feel fully back on board. It, it's almost like, you know, there's there's nothing happening elsewhere in the world because <clears throat> Wasps are winning and rugby's back on my TV. I think I watched every single game live in <laughs> some sort of capacity. We had two screens going at some points. So, yeah, w- what a weekend. Joining me to break it all down as ever is uh, Mr. Rob Sutton. Rob, how you doing? I feel slightly inadequate now because I only watched five. Ah, uh, well, you see, sometimes <laughs> you need to get that dual screen going to uh, make sure you don't miss any of the, uh, well, slightly less than uh, less than stellar performances of some teams across the league this weekend, which was to be expected after five months out. You know, most of these players haven't taken a five-month break from rugby since they were about four years old, so... <laughs> I thought thought all things considering, it was a pretty decent return. There was some, you know, there there was, as expected, the the new laws caused a lot of penalties, or the interpretations of the laws caused a lot of penalties. There were some decent games, a couple of close finishes, and and, and not even with with our bias, the the Saints-Wasps game is by far the most entertaining. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were were moments, there were moments in the Saints-Wasps game where one person tried to destroy the spectacle and it was a great spectacle it was a great game and i actually think the 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 new interpretations added to that saints wasp game because the two teams were they are two very attacking sides so you know you have that going for the game but the fact that when either side got into the 22 the defense actually had a chance of winning a penalty and it was a contest inside the 22 it wasn't just you couldn't just pick and go, pick and go, pick and go, especially if you're Northampton because you might run into, well, you're highly likely to run into one of Jack Willis or Thomas Young on one of those pick and goes and then you've lost the ball. So it it helped that side of things, definitely helped to make the Wasps game especially more watchable, I thought. And I think you know, we've seen it from Super Rugby Atarua. It makes the game better. Eventually, once the players get used to it and the referees get used to it, it makes the game a better game to watch. And I'll tell you what, even without Willis and Young, it would benefit Wasps. But having those two in the team, it, it's almost unfair. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I, I throw out on, on Twitter that have Wasps had a better back row option since Joe Worsley retired? I don't... I, I, that, that performance from Willis is in the Worsley category. Mm. It, oh, was, it was phenomenal, and and, and he did, and he doesn't win man of the match. You know that's how well Thomas Young played, um, and you could easily have given gone elsewhere. Josh Bassett had his best game for probably two years. Um, took his, both his tries very well. I mean, we all know Franklin's Gardens is his playground, which is why Saints keep trying to sign him. Um, Dan, Dan Robson improved as the game went on. He was a bit slowly away, but I thought he he had a really good second half. Umaga was yeah, there wasn't a lot played a bad game, you know. It was great, great. I mean, yeah, there were some questionable lids, but Minotzi, Minotzi's in particular, but I thought he played very well. Oh, I don't know. I think I think Jacob takes the uh, takes the biscuit for questionable haircuts uh, or lack or lack of haircuts in uh, in lockdown. 
But I, would, I, I want to talk about Dan Robson quickly because, you know, I won't shy away from it in our sort of private message that we were, had going on during the game. I was a little bit critical of the way he started. Um, but as, as he usually does, he proved me wrong quite spectacularly in the last sort of half an hour of that game. I thought he was outstanding. You know, when Saints just started to come back into it, he puts that beautifully executed kick over the top into their, well, it, it hit their, it hit the post on the try line and bounced out of play the right side. So there's a little bit of luck involved, but you know, it was perfectly weighted, the kick. And it put us in such a commanding position that, we were always going to go on and get the try and, and hit back almost immediately. And that was just one of a number of really key um, just additions that he had during the game, key contributions that he had. And it started in the first minute, you know, uh, the good parts of his game because he started that backs move with incredible deft hands that sent Bassett over the first time. I think Northampton were a little bit shell-shocked with that. Yeah. Chris Boyd basically said they were in that because because it, it was it was a move wasps have pulled before you know it's, it wasn't an unusual wasps move if you if you've had five months to study the footage knowing they're your first game you'd have seen that move before. I, I just think it was the way they executed it that surprised that took Northampton by surprise because if you've seen across the across the weekend, no other team executed anything as well as that. Yeah. Yeah, Exeter had one move um, off the back of a line out. I think it was the hog for the hog try that was that was similar in in how well executed it was. Um, but uh, you know, considering it was what three or four minutes into the match, and they just exploded. It was the first real attack they got, and they just scythed through Northampton. And there was hardly a hand laid on on any Wasp player, and they were already over and up by seven points. And I was just so pleased to see it because it w- even as great as Dye was for us, I don't think any of the teams under his tenure would have scored that try in the first game back after a long layoff. Mm. Well, I think even, even, even throwing it back to, to earlier this season, I, I don't think Wasps would have won that game earlier in the season. No, I think there's a couple of key wins. That win against Irish where they were... They were sort of in it and uh, a bit behind at times, and they just eased into another gear and um, and sort of pulled away. And they did that again on Sunday. You know, they they let Saints back into it a little bit. Or well, Saints, to their credit, fought their way back into it. Um, they were given a, a large slice of help on a couple of occasions. Um, but you know, referees are rusty as well, as. Uh, I think it was Tom Foley said in the Exeter game that referees are rusty as well. So we've got to you know, tone down some of the criticism that I put on Twitter this weekend. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Northampton fight their way back into it and then Wasps just pull away and don't let them really get anywhere near. Well, and I so- think there was the moment, wasn't there? Sopawanga gets yellow carded. They scored, I think, from the initial straight off the line out that resulted from that penalty, then it's a, it's a three-point game. I think if that game had been in November, Wasp would have crumbled and probably not even got a losing bonus point out of it. Um, so to, to finish it off is one thing. To take the bonus point is massive, but equally as massive is denying Northampton anything out of the game. And uh, they're now going in completely the wrong direction, having left the Rico when they beat us in January, thinking, 
that looks a decent team to me. They were very, you know, I know the game got close. There was a red card, what have you. Um, and Wasps did play well in that game. I left the ground that night or whatever it was, thinking that what well, they were more title contenders than the Bristols of the world. But yeah, they they are going in completely the wrong direction. And I think they've got a fight on their hands to make the European Cup based on what I saw yesterday. Yeah, I think yes and no with that because they they were a lot like a lot of teams this weekend in that they they were okay, but they didn't really do a lot to scare me that much. Yeah, it was a lot like Leicester down at Sandy Park. You know, Leicester sort of made a bit of noise in the first 20 minutes and again the first 20 minutes after half-time as well, but they just didn't look a threat across the whole 80 minutes. And I think as you saw Exeter sort of soak up the pressure, soak up the pressure, realise, oh, there's nothing in this team that is is there to scare us. We can cut a little bit loose. And they did. And then they won they won in quite convincing fashion. You know, I think Worcester, again, very similar. Unlucky to have the red card, but you know, Gloucester soaked up soaked it up a little bit, conceded an early try, a, a very good early try, but after that they caught sort of Worcester didn't again didn't look like doing much and then Gloucester just eased away. And I think that yeah, both Bristol were pulled into a real dogfight on Saturday evening against Saracens. Um, I thought Pat Lamb speaking on Premiership Rugby tonight was very clear that Bristol went out and played the kind of the way they thought they they could to beat Saracens, and they were very lucky to actually come away with that win, despite, in my opinion, being the better side for most of that evening. Um, and you knew how Saris were going to play as soon as the weather forecast came out. And it, it was like going back to watching rugby in 2010. Um, you know, I actually think next season, the premiership will be better for them not being in the competition just from a, a quality of watch perspective, you know, not, not because they're missing so many stars because it will be, it'll be missing a lot of England players, a lot of world-class talents, but in terms of, a tactical coach to be missing to make the Premiership a better league to watch. Mark McCall is uh, is probably top of that list at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. Just on Bristol, I think that's a massive win for them because, as you say, they got dragged into the battle. And how many times have you seen teams, normally it's us, unfortunately, who try and who play, want to play rugby, get dragged into the armrest with Saracens and lose. And, you know, I know there was a lot of debate over the... Um, the try that wasn't given, but the number of teams who would have lost their heads at that against Saracens sort of go again and they, they, they get penalty try and then a really big defensive stand at the end. I think that's a huge, huge win for them. And um, they've got a really interesting game at Gloucester on Friday. It's a shame it's on at directly the same time as the Wasps game because um, I think that's that, that game looks a real cracker. Yeah, I mean, we could do with Gloucester taking some points off of them there and you know, just opening it up a little bit for us. but And I think that could definitely happen. I thought Gloucester looked pretty good this weekend. Um, yeah. Although, as you mentioned, they were they were helped by 14 men. Um, yeah, and I'd like to sort of pivot onto the Worcester game quickly first. I mean, we'll come back to the Northampton game in a bit. We're not done talking about some of the performances there. But Worcester coming up this Friday for Wasps. And from the two performances, I'd say... This is a game that Wasps have to come out and get five points in. Um, and I think they will, as long as they keep their heads and they don't 
they don't do they don't play stupid rugby. I think they will come out and the, the quality will tell. Obviously, Worcester will be without Mullaney Nanai after um, his red card in that game. Wasps looking likely to be without Malachi Fekatar as well. Um, I imagine he'll get a one-game ban for accumulating too many yellow cards. I, I hope it's a one-game ban and not a week and they no, cut I, him I, out for two. I'd, I'd hope I, that I they... Believe, I believe it's going to be done on games. That seems to be what people are suggesting. Yeah, you'd you'd hope that's what they do, uh, and I imagine that's what they'll do as well. Um, yeah, if he gets banned at all, I could see him not getting banned at all um, because the yeah, it, three yellow me. cards is uh, you know not the worst sanction in the world, is it? Um, no, and they've lost two of the games anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, you could argue he's deserved his punishment in that way, but it's it's going to be interesting because you're now looking. Obviously, you can't look too far ahead. Worcester will present their challenges. And as we mentioned, when Bob, Bobby was with us last week, they should have beaten us in January at, at their place. You know, it, it, it took a couple of individual moments of brilliance to get Wasps out of a pretty sticky situation. But it's obviously, so we played Sunday, we play Friday, but then a week tu- a week tomorrow, so we're recording on Monday. So next Tuesday, we've got Sale at the Rico. If Sale lose to Exeter this weekend... All of a sudden, Wasps have got a chance to knock Sale out of the top four. Hmm. Um, so I just, I just wonder whether the Sale match might possibly take Blackett's priority in terms of team selection, and whether we will see we well bouncy some rotation. Whether there might be a fair bit of it, let's say. Possibly, but then you just have to look and and you see, you know, Jack Willis only played sixty minutes or fifty minutes, you know. Um, Minozzi only played 45 minutes. Um, Gopuff didn't play loads and loads of minutes in the end. There were, there were a lot of key substitutions early and I, you've got to praise Lee Blackett for that because he was him. And I think um, Chris Boyd did very similar things on the Northampton side, but they were the only two that I really saw this weekend. And I know obviously they've got one day less to recover uh, than some of the other teams, but yeah, I think managing the fatigue throughout managing it from the first game is a really smart thing to do. And I, I really sort of applaud the coaching staff for doing it because we, we could have gone out and that was a really close game at the points when he made the substitutions. And so the guys on the bench came on and they closed that game out without really any drop off in performance. And yeah, you could have been tempted as a coach to not change much because they were playing well, but it was close. And he went, he stuck ahead and stuck on and went with the changes. And yeah, it made a it made a big difference, or it will make a big difference if they're able to keep up that level of consistency despite substitutions at the fifty minute mark. Because if you can go against a, a quality side in Northampton and do it, then you should be able to go against the Worcester side. And maybe you rest. Uh, Thomas Young is probably going to. He's almost definitely going to get rested on Friday night because we need him for the sale game. But I'd like to see like Tom Willis come in, and you you can play Jack and Tom and that team. You, you keep one of your sort of Willis and Young for this game. But if things go well, Jack Willis only needs to play 50, 60 minutes again, and he'll probably be feeling relatively fresh by the for the sale game. And so you know he probably comes off again if he plays in all three. He only plays 50 minutes of them if it's possible to do that. But by taking him off at the 50-minute mark in this game, 
or 60 minute mark, whenever it was, you've preserved enough of that time to really you know, make playing these three games in, in whatever it is, 10 days possible. And I, th- I really like the way that they've managed it as, as coaches. I think they've done a really, really good job. Well, the, co- the coaches that manage their squads the best are going to be the one that will make the top four, possibly win the thing. Mm. You, know, you can have all the talent on the pitch, but with just the nature of the schedule this, this year, you know, fitting nine rounds into seven weeks. And um, actually quite an interesting point that I, I have discovered today. I don't know if, obviously, the Premiership Cup is not on many people's priority list, but they are going to play the final of that competition, which means our game with Harlequins is likely to get pushed back a week. Um, well, we will do, because they're not going to make them play Saturday and Monday. I know player welfare is not high on Premiership Rugby's priority, but they're not going to make a play two twice in three days. It's already it's already showing as postponed on um, Google. Yeah, yeah. So um, it looks likely that that will be played on the weekend of the European semi-finals because obviously you know, both teams will be free. There's a fair chance we're going to have a fortnight off going into that game, going into the last two games. And um, you know, you've just you've just I know you've just got to kind of roll with it. And um, I think we'll see. Uh, some, as I mentioned, some changes. I think Ben Velikov will start on Friday. Uh, Dan played, I think, 78 and a half mm. minutes. Mm. Um, it, um, I think Ryan Mills might get a go, probably from the start. They might try Sopawaga at fullback, possibly again. Depends if they play Jacob. Um, as we say, Malachi might not be available. Um, so that'll probably open up a, a, an opportunity at 13 for someone. I'm not sure Joanne de Jong's fit yet. So that might. Might need, <clears throat> might need a reshuffle. Um, I think we might see uh, Michael Le Bourgeois at 13 this, this weekend, possibly. Um, you know, we've got options there. And I'd, I'm really looking forward to seeing potentially a, a Mills and Umunga Axis or even a Mills Sopwanga Axis, I think will be quite interesting. I, I think if you're going to give um, Lima game time at 10, you kind of want Malik, you want Fekatoa out there outside him to be that help and you probably want Gopeth at 12 as well. So I, I do wonder if we'll see um, Mills and uh, Umunga and Mills starting really um, this, this Friday. And it, it could be the kind of game for those two, you know, it's likely to be that open expansive game because what, and what Wasps can do is you can have Matteo Minozzi on the bench. And if Wasps can get that tri bonus point wrapped up as, as quick as possible, get hopefully the win wrapped up by the, the hour mark and get Umunga off and get him some rest ahead of the sale game, then you're you're on for a winner. It might not be that easy. Worcester, you know, they're, they're, still, they're still a premiership rugby grade side. They're still a tough side to face. Um, they might be down in 10th in and you might look at it and think, yeah, Wasps, this is a game Wasps should definitely win especially after the performance at the weekend from Worcester. But, you know, they're probably not going to be a man down for 60 minutes of the, the game on Friday. And they've got players that you have to respect. You know, Ollie Lawrence in the centres has caused Wasps all, all sorts of trouble before. So, and to probably not have your star player or one of your star players who plays opposite him in, in Fekatoa, it could make life tough for Wasps this weekend, this Friday, and we know what Billy Searle can do um, on offence when when he's got the ball. So I, I think we could be in for a really exciting game. 
Yeah, they've had a weird sort of season because I actually think they've been better than they were at times last season. But they've now lost, I think it's something like seven in a row, either side of lockdown. But apart from um, the Gloucester game on Saturday, they've, they've not really had a hiding. Um, as I say, Wasps were, were the fortunate, I think would be the right word, to, to win at six ways. Uh, they, they should have won at Bristol just before the lockdown. I think it was something like 13-10 or, you know, something low scoring like that, that they lost there. They do have threats. There's plenty of uh, ex-Wasps in there. Uh, Tom Howe, who some of you will probably remember from, from Adams Park, has had a decent season on the wing. He'll be dangerous. I say Nanai's a blow. Um, Ted Hill against Jack Willis. If there were spectators, that's a head-to-head that would be worth the admission fee alone. Um, Ted Hill had a really good game in a loss, losing cause on Saturday against Gloucester. So, look, they'll be threatening. Um, I think Wasp will have too much, but um, don't be surprised if there's a... Well, it's Wasp. There's bound to be a scare along the way. Was, you know, you, I was tempted to jump in when you were, were saying um, if the game's wrapped up after an hour, thinking, you know, where, where's this guy been for the last few years? Like, I've only seen about two games that have been wrapped up before the hour, and they're both against Saracens. Um so, so it should be a good game. Um, one thing I would point out, um, having done a load of stuff for, for racing this week at work today, um, it, the, the weather forecast for the end of the week is not too good at all. And um, there could be some very high winds for Friday night. So that could be something to bear in mind when it comes to, uh, comes to the tactics. If, uh, if, if the back end of a tropical storm arrives, as it's threatening to do. <laughs> Yes, um, I, I think like a fish moment if it doesn't turn out. <laughs> I think it's, it's supposed to hit um, towards the Midlands and, and the north of the country a little bit harder than it is down down where I am in the southeast. He says, hopingly, knowing that he's got an eighty-five mile charity bike ride on Saturday. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I hope the weather sort of stays away because it was. It was the, the the first half on Sunday was probably the only game this weekend was that was not massively affected by the weather. And I think you saw that in some of the quality. You know, Sarri's Bristol, both teams chose to play the way they did because of the weather. Well, Sarri's maybe not. Bristol definitely did. Um, you know, down at Sandy Park, it wasn't lovely weather down there either. Um, yeah, that that is also true. Um you know, I was, uh, I'm just really pleased that they came out and put such a professional performance in, in the first game back. Well, that was the thing. I mean, I, I think I put it out on Sunday morning before the game, having watched four of the games before that game, I thought, you know, this is going to be another messy game. So I'm not very far from Northampton. So we have the same conditions that the game was played in, um, except the storm came during the first half while they were dry and, and did knock out my BT sports signal for two minutes which was not ideal um thankfully i didn't miss anything hugely significant um so it's a, it's a good it's a good job alex was manning our account and i wasn't because because uh, you'd have seen some blind panic then um but um but that was the thing that that struck me like that they actually played better than i thought for 80 minutes than the three wins they had pre-lockdown because if you, i think we mentioned this a bit last week they, they were three games that you'd Probably, if you're going to finish in the top four, you've got to win with the team Saracen sent up to play us. And, you know, Gloucester and London Irish. This was a genuine contender away from home. Okay, there's no crowd. But 
you know, to put it all together like that, I mean, and Christmas has come early for Lee Blackett. I mean, that is, and, and it shows the progress that he's made in such a short space of time. You know, to, to ninth when he took the job, and they now look like that they 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 could well finish in the top four. I mean, there's a long way to go, but yeah, if they, I mean, if they play like if they play like that again in the next eight games, then they they are they are going to make the playoffs. I mean, they play like that in the next eight games. You know, you, they're probably only losing two yeah. of six. If you if you can keep that level of performance up over the course of the rest of the season, yeah, you're there's not really many teams that I would be scared of if, if you know, Wasps are going to come out and perform in the way they did against Northampton. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to happen like that. I think they're probably sort of five and eight from the next eight games. And that should be enough to get them into the playoffs. If they, if they can do that, well, I, I do think that you normally need about 65 points is probably if you were going to put an arbitrary number on it obviously it changes year on year you probably need less this year to be honest to get into the playoffs just because of the nature of the league so yeah, I think I, 55 I, to 60 gets you into the playoffs and I think I think Wasps are, are really in the, on the road to a home semi-final quite how many points are behind Bristol is it four, so four points behind Bristol at the minute right with them to play with the them to play We've got Sale to play in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Or next week. Yeah. I I think it's I think it's so doable because I think the key the key thing is is if if they do make if they are going to make the playoffs and we we had it we had a query on this on on Twitter earlier saying you know if, did we think we'd make the final if we make the top four I would say yes so long as we don't finish fourth and have to go at Sandy Park. Well, that's it. So that's where the key really is in this run, is getting into second or third and avoiding having to go down to Sandy Park. And I think with the win this weekend, they've put themselves in pole position to do that. You know, that, that was the biggest thing about, about this result this weekend, was if you, you, win, you win this game, you are right in contention, not just for top four, but for, for home semi-final, for second or third, especially with the sale result going the way it did on Friday night, you know, they were poor, I thought. I thought they were really, really poor. Um, they, they just didn't, tactically, they didn't look right. And for Sale, that was a game they had to win because they're such a small squad they've got that they have to win games early because otherwise they're going to drop. So if they, they lose that game, they probably lose against Exeter. And Steve Diamond's got to think here, do I go full rotation in a game I'm not really expected to win with a key, a massive, massive game against Wasps coming up? Or do I try, do they try and nick something against Exeter? It's a, it's a huge, huge yeah. dilemma for them. Sales, ne- sales next three games are Exeter, Wasps and Bristol. Yeah. They, they could conceivably be out the top four after that. And, you know, I, as, as, as we've been saying throughout this, you, you, you can expect a certain level of rustiness. But that was a different level from sale. Like it was, um, it, it just—I think you were spot on tactically. Apart from Tom Curry, they just—I thought they offered very little resistance in defence. And if if Quinns had been a bit sharp with their decision making, Quinns could have run in two or three there. Um, you know, beside Marcus Smith, the Quinns backline had a bit of a shocker. I thought Marcus Smith played very well. I thought Joe March played quite well. 
I was quite impressed by Joe oh, Marchant in that yes. game. Yes, and the and the, and the, the scrum half played well. Mm. Um, the Argentinian Danny Kerr called him at, um, at Harlequins. Um, let's hope he doesn't do any TikTok videos. Um, but yeah, that was that was a game. I think if Sale could have back, uh, they would. It's going to be they're going to be. It's going to be interesting to see what they play like at home on a Friday night with no crowd. I think. Well, what's the difference? Well, yeah, the, the, the well, only the only team less affected than us without any crowd in, you know, zero zero fans is probably not that different to two and a half thousand fans. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely marquee though. <laughs> what they've got in the car park. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I, you know, they're they're the they're the team that I think we can get above in the top three. Definitely, um, I'd like to think we'd give a we'll have a good run at Bristol as well after the performance. And you know, there's some big games coming up for for them. They've got the Premiership Rugby Cup as well, which is massive for them because they have to win that game. Sale, so, yeah, they have to win that game because they have to win something. Yeah, well, they 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 played their strongest team the whole competition about this because they beat they beat us in the group stage with virtually their first. Um, and and uh, oh, and our, not our first team. Um, mind you, I, I think it's similar for Harlequins. From what I've heard from people who are still connected with the Harlequins, that they've got they've had a new CEO come in at the start of the year, who's adamant that they've got to win something. So I think they're in a similar boat to sales. So yeah, I, I think Diamond's going to flog that squad. Well, mind you, he's not got much choice. Um, but yeah. There'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of minutes for a lot of players at sale. Yeah, and it, I, I think it could cost them. Yeah, I think it could be right. Um, you know, any other season, their strategy of building around stars and being a having a small squad, yeah, it might have got them into the the final, into the the place where you can you can challenge for a title. It got Wasps there. Wasps had small squad full of stars, and they got to the final when we were. We're very, very unlucky not to win it, you know. But I think in this current circumstance, it's just not going to happen. You know, I just I think there's there's just too many games. There's too much fatigue going to have built up, and it obviously it has a knock on effect in next season as well because of the lack of rest. And you have with things, you know, guys like Tuolangi are going to go as long as he's fit, he's going to come straight off premiership duty, go straight into the England squad, you know, then go straight back and, and expect to play for sale um, next season. Go through the whole premiership season, six nations. You know, that The guy's going to be knackered if he, if he can stay on the field, which is a big if given his history. So, you know, there's a, it's a big gamble that sale have, have taken. And I mean, it could pay off. It could all click. In the next game, when they, when they, or when they face us, you know, they they could beat Exeter on Friday night, quite con, quite conceivably. You know, they've got the squad to do it, um, and then. But what I think really sort of bears and and looks good for Wasps is, you know, they play Sale play Friday, Tuesday, Saturday. They have three games in eight days, and the middle one of those is us. Yeah. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we don't play again until the following Monday after we play Sale. No, we've we've got a nice little run of fixtures actually. 
that, that's why I was thinking if, if they are going to rotate, I think it will probably come on Friday rather than to then go into sale. And from the, the highlights, I didn't watch the game live, as I mentioned, but from the highlights, um, Bath, it was a good win for them, uh, rather uh, helped by their role in Maul. Um, but I think, I think Ben Spence is going to be, be a really good signing for them. Easy cracking player. I think we've waxed lyrical about him on here before, which is rare for us about Saracen's player. But um, yeah, that's, that's a really good signing for them. And he, he took his try really nicely. Yeah, I'm a little bit less worried about them though. I, you know, London Irish really didn't play particularly well in that game, and I think Bath should have probably won by more than they than they did. Um, yeah, I was I was when you when you compare it to some of the other performances across the weekend, Bath were impressive, but when you compare it to us and Exeter across this weekend, Bath weren't particularly impressive. You know, the there was some good stuff that you saw there, but is that a team that I'm scared is going to come or is going to beat us on Bank Holiday Monday on five days rest? Not particularly. Um, I think they've got, they've got Saints midweek, haven't they? I think. Yeah, they 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 face they face Saints on the Wednesday. We're playing on the Tuesday, so we have the extra day of rest. I think that that's a game again, winnable game. Um, I think the games that we might struggle is one of the uh, Bristol games, uh, a game against Bristol and game against Exeter. I think they're the two now where um, if you lose those, you're you're disappointed with the Bristol game, certainly, because it's probably that's a, well, that's a massive chance for us to make up a spot in the table. But the Exeter game, last game of the season, I'm I'm pretty sure we will drop that. Uh, I, I can't I can see them beating us. I think they're a really good side. I think they'd probably go on and win it all. Um it, after one weekend back, I'm changing my prediction um from from a week ago. The only thing that will trip Exeter up is the European Cup. Even then, I think they've got the squad. They've, they're, the, they're the only team with a bigger squad than Wasps um, heading into this period. And I think they've got a big enough squad and a deep enough squad and a talented enough squad to compete on both fronts. Um, especially given that, um, yeah, by the time they've, they've sort of finished with the European fixtures, the Premiership, and it, it all fits in quite well at the back end of the year. Actually, it's this, true, it? it's this play, period. They'll play us, Prem semi-final, European final if they get there. Yeah, Prem Premiership game. final. And it's all it's on the weekends at that point. So, yeah, they're, they're really tough games to have to play back to back to back to back. But I think they're, they're good enough to do that. Yeah, they'll beat Northampton in their quarterfinal, I'm pretty sure. Um, you'd certainly expect them to anyway. Um. And yeah, I think that they they probably are are right in contention in all competitions. Well, if 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 you beat Exeter, you'll probably win the league. I think that's what we can deduce from uh, from what we've talked about so far. Um, right before we started this, I put it out on Twitter what people want to discuss. So we'll do a few points that have come in to us. Uh, so we got asked who will be the one standout player between now and the end of the season for Wasps. Easy, Jack Willis. Yeah, dude. Right, so Jack Willis is already. I think he's at thirty turnovers for the season. Yeah, Blair Cowan is second. He has fifteen. 
<laughs> Jack Willis has twice as many turnovers as the player in second place. Blair Cowan's 46 now. <laughs> hey, that's crazy. Blair Cowan's also done it on, on seven teams this season already. <laughs> um, uh, what else we got? Nuts. Uh, with Brooks likely to be out for a while, who will replace him? Yeah, so this is another another point I wanted to talk about from Sunday. Uh, I thought Jeff Tumunga Allen came on. He looked a little bit shaky when he first got there, but he settled into the game and scrummaged really well towards the end. Wasps, yeah, that the scrum wobbled a little bit because Carl Dixon was looking for any excuse to get Saints into our twenty-two. But after after it sort of got clear that Wasps were winning the game when we scored that try, they came on and they put some really good performances, really good effort in in the scrum towards the end and you know I think he he can come and really claim that shirt yeah I think you'll see a bit of Bialo I think he'll probably start at the weekend um but you know he's it it was a it was a good performance I thought yeah I I agree I think I'd still worry a little bit about him at the scrum I thought he was very good in the loose and he tackled well they pretty much all tackled very well um, in that game, but he he put in a number of important hits. I think Allo will get the start on Friday, um, and then you, then it's probably up for debate. I would imagine for the sale game, um, and because because unfortunately I don't think that looks a, a particularly good injury for when well, no injury is good, but um, I I don't I don't want to rule him out for the season, but it's, there's, uh, not, there's not many weeks left. So Bobby uh, was um, Bobby Bridge was reporting that it was an AC joint injury, which, if the case, then his season's over, and we might not see him this side of Christmas. Um, you know, it's gutting because he he started really well in that game as well, and we were munching them in the scrum. We munched them in the scrum most of the day, um, and. Yeah, I, I was I was really really impressed by him, by Brooks, and I was gutted for him when he when he walked off. I just hope it's not what they were thinking it was going to or it was. You know, if he can get away with it, just being a sprain, and you can even if he doesn't play again this season, but once the Premiership comes back in November, he's sort of fighting fit, then that would be perfect for him. But you know, you could imagine getting him back for the for the semis, maybe if we, if Wasps make it in the end and. That would be nuts, you know, having him come back right as you get into the real business end of the season. That would be a, a huge bonus for Wasps, but I just don't think it will be the case. And and here's, here's, an, here's a point that I was going to bring up anyway. Are Wasps starting to get the attack-defence balance right? And, I, and that was a, a point that really struck me, I thought, during the game, is the fact that they can now win games without the ball. Yeah, I I think they're starting to get there. Um, I, I do think you, you can't put as good a performance as this was, and it was a good performance. You can't put too much on round one as it is of the restart because teams aren't fully up, Northampton weren't fully up to their attacking capacity and there were times when um, they looked really, really dangerous. What I do kind of like is there's a, a sort of phrase that they have in the NFL where you can have a bend but don't break defense. So you give up a lot of yards, but you don't give up touchdowns. And I think that with the new interpretations, having Willis and Young in the side, having that ability to get turnovers in the 22, you know, Wasps are kind of can kind of run that style of defense 
in rugby because you if as long as you can you can give up some yards and you can let teams play a little bit as long as when you get them down into the 22 you can slow them down enough to get Willis or Young in in position or Shields did it once I think Joe Launchbury did it once you know, to get those guys in position where they can affect the turnover and the other team comes away with nothing and you're not really losing out at that point so I think if that is something that Wasps can make work you know, it's always tough to make something like that work because you you are giving up yards. Like if you're you're giving up momentum at times, but I think with a an enforcer like Fekatoa at thirteen, someone who is a world class defender, a world class player, you know, a guy that's a physical specimen that isn't going to get run over by players in their outside channel, that is often carried in by back rowers by. Um, you know, 25 stone wingers that should be playing number eight. You're, you're going to have a much better defensive line than if you've got a sulky fullback playing 13. It's, that's just the case. Um, it, it's always going to be much easier when you've got players like Fekatoa there. I think some of the best Wasp performances in, on uh, defence-wise in the last few seasons have come when we've played Wan de Jong at 13. And it's, it's no... Um, it's no coincidence that they weren't when Elliot Daly was at 13 because it's a size thing for me. And, and the two, De Jong and to a much greater extent, Fekatoa are awesome defenders. And you've got, when you've got a, a 12 and 13 partnership of Gopeth and Fekatoa who are ready to put their body on the line in defense, they're, they're smart defenders, you know, and they're, they're fully grown blokes. Jimmy Gopper, at the age he is, he's not he's not a slim fella anymore. He's not fat at all. I'm not saying that, but he's he's properly filled out, and he is a proper nugget in the at twelve. And you you don't run past him him easy. You don't run through that center partnership easily. So I think in the the key areas in in defense now, in the back row and in centers, Wasps have got world class talents. And I think that is how you make a really good defensive side. You look at Saris with Brad Barrett, you know, in the early part of the 2010s when they were the best defensive side. You look at Exeter the last few years with Sam Hill, who's a really underrated defender, is obviously now at, um, now at sale. Those teams have great back rows, great centres, and that's how you build a great defence. And that's what Wasps have got now. You know, I think Ryan Mills can become that kind of player at 12, if he learns it from from Jimmy and Wasps have really solidified those areas and they're key to the modern game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 it linked to that point, it's the that not playing when it's not on that impressed me on Sunday. You know, the number of times you've seen them get in front and just try the magic ball a couple a couple of times too many and get the opposition back into the game. You know, they were very, you've already mentioned that moment when Dan Robson knocked that kick into the, um, well, basically went dead virtually on the try line, didn't it? Came off the, the flag there. And then Saints overthrew the line out on their own line, you know, and, and, and the Wasps forced errors onto an opposition, which you don't, you haven't seen a huge amount of in the past two, two even three years, you know, even when they were finishing third, that Second season with Cipriani at 10, you know, they conceded an awful lot of points that season, um, but their attack was good enough to get them out of trouble every time. Um, with this side, you 
you know that while they can score points, they can also shut them out. And um, I didn't see what the final possession stats were, but they, especially in the first half, they did an awful lot of defending and only conceded six points. And um, that the crucial moment of the game for me was was the Fekatoa yellow card ten minutes because Northampton yeah. did not look like scoring in that ten minutes. No, Wasps almost came out of that ten minutes in a in a stronger position than when they yeah. when they went in to to have two players yellow carded in a game to play 20 minutes 24 minutes down to 14 men and to only concede 21 points is a is a really really good achievement for wasps you know third game in a row that they've scored 30 plus points sorry fourth game in a row they've scored 30 plus points you know five of the last six or you know five of the last six six of the last seven even they've scored over 30 points so wasps are back in every every game but one in 2020, they've scored over 30 points. So the wasps we know, the wasps we've we've come become accustomed to support in the last few seasons, are back in a big way. And I think that you know, we've got a, a real potent mix now, where we're not you wouldn't say we're overly stacked at one position other than the back row. And those back rowers, you've got homegrown stars in there to complement. Um, world class talents. You know, to players like Thomas Young and Jack obviously Jack came through the Academy, Jack Willis, Thomas Young didn't, but was made at Wasps. Yeah, he wasn't uh he wasn't a player that came fully formed. And then you add someone like Brad Shields in there. That's a really good back row for me. Really solid group. And you've got three international quality players there, one of whom or two of whom are going to come on and become top internationals, you'd imagine except that Thomas Young is not going to get a chance to play for Wales at the minute. Um, which I think Wales will massively regret in the end because what would scare me, a Young and young and Tipperick at Faletau back row for Wales, that's scary for me as an England fan. <laughs> I would not want to go up against that, even with a, a Willis Curry Vunapola or a Willis Underhill Vunapola back row. You know, as a tasty matchup that is, because you've got two, two fabulous world class back rows there, and two of those six players play for Wasps. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I tell you what, if if, if Jack Willis keeps playing like this, the words Lions and Bolter will soon uh, soon start appearing in column inches. I don't think he's a Lions Bolter if he keeps playing no, like this. You know, not. I think he's a he's over there at, yeah. the, at this point because South Africa have got some fabulous players. But you know, someone like Peter Steph de Toit, who we've spoken about on the Twitter account because he is currently a free agent and, and Wasps are linked with a South Af- an unnamed South African lock slash flanker. It's not Peter Steph de Toit. Don't worry, lads. Don't get too, don't get too excited, guys and girls. Um, but yeah, Jack Willis versus Peter Steph de Toit is something that I would absolutely be here for. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's possibly a little bit early for Jack Willis to be a test starter for the Lions, though. But mm. if he comes and plays well for England in this Eight Nations tournament in November, then yeah. it, absolutely he's on for it. Yeah, you, you wouldn't rule him out at this stage, would you? Um, so, not, not at all. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he, 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 I think if he carries on as he's performed this season. As you've already mentioned, the stats on turnovers, he's bound to make the play. Oh, absolutely. I think I'd be disappointed at this point now if it was anything other than injury that ruled him out of a Lions tour berth. 
um you know really would struggle i think uh, uh, to see any reason why he why he wouldn't go at, at, at the minute you know um one last thing fullback fullback position for me Minozzi's the the nailed on starter there when you're when you're full strength I, there was a couple of moments where he took he had did some fantastic work under the high ball um in that game yeah it was it was fantastic to watch you know some of the just the way he he would come up and command the back even if it was only for 45 or so minutes um I do think that he was taken off and, and replaced by Sopoanga one as a tactical decision where the weather turned a little bit and Wasp wanted a little bit more control in their kicking game. And I also think it was probably to save him a little bit. And, you know, we weren't going to win that game doing what he does best in terms of, you know, attacking in that outside channel with a, a huge amount of quality and skill. Um, and they sort of needed, it was a bit of a horses for courses change. And to have that option is fantastic. I really like Lima at fullback though. I think it works. I think it works well. Um, I think he works well in the space that he's given when he's there. And I think that's massive, you know. Yeah, I thought Minotsi played very well. Um, he's he's kind of been, bizarrely, the, the, the forgotten man sort of through through lockdown because you know people are obviously left with the impression Lima made when he played against Gloucester in what was his best performance in a Wasp shirt by an absolute country mile um, but yeah Min- Minozzi has, has has that little bit of class you know for an Italian player to get I know it was a couple of seasons ago but for an Italian player to get into the Six Nations team of the tournament you're a blooming good rugby player and uh, he had a very good World Cup as well Um um, to be honest, he's not really had a bad game for Wasps, even though he's been he for large parts has been playing in a team that wasn't playing particularly well. He he didn't drop in standard, and um, he was a bit unlucky not to score actually. And for Wasps' uh, second try, he was uh, yeah. If the rain had come on the second half, he'd have slid in. He would have had that one, which is brilliant if you've got Minotti in your fantasy team. As yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, but I um I, I agree with you there. I think he's been really solid with some s- real sparkles of of brilliance in there, and I think that's exactly what you kind of want from a a player who is only about sort of twelve months, nearly to the day off returning from an ACL tear, and they take they take a long time to get back to a hundred percent. You know, you 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 have your period when you're out. Yeah, and and then you you have that period after where you're really reacclimatizing to playing rugby again you're getting your pace back you're getting your yeah the way you play back and I think he's attacked he attacks well he he's not like someone like Vili LaRue where they're always looking to make the attacking play I think Minozzi looks to make the smart play a lot more often and I think that is true of a lot of this Wasp squad than that team that made the final I think you you say you'd arguably you had more stars in that team but whether they, I think there was almost at times there were too many stars because they were all each looking to do the brilliant thing every time. Whereas I think now you've got a lot more players in this team, in this squad, who look to do the smart rather than the brilliant all the time. 
and there you have one or two players who you know have one or two brilliant moments a game that's probably a bit unfair you you probably have five or six players now who have one or two brilliant moments a game and that is enough to win you games and score you a lot of tries rather than relying on you know five six seven players to have three or four brilliant moments a game and 50% of them going wrong because they were trying to push it when it wasn't on. And Wasps almost did it. Yeah, you know, we almost had one go against us in this game. It didn't. You know, they did really, really well. And I think they won a penalty at the scrum to um, sort of navigate the the kick tennis that could have, if it came off, if the ball sticks in Kibberigi's hand and he's able to get the offload away, it's try of the season. Um, down the right-hand side, it didn't stick. And in the end, Furbank put in a really, really good kick and Northampton almost score. And it that was the kind of game it is, uh, or it was, sorry. And yeah, I was I was just so impressed and so happy because I was a little bit worried going into the game. It was a tough game to start off with. It's a long time since Wasps have played and the, and the break came at the, the real wrong time for them in terms of momentum. But because this coaching staff has done such a good job, in getting them prepared and the players have done such a good job getting prepared. They, they look the best this weekend and I'll keep coming back to that as long as it's true. <laughs> I think the point you made about the three, three seasons ago, whatever it was, seeing they reached the final, the fact that Lee Blackett was involved with them. And this is where not going too far away from Die Young has its real positives. Because Lee Blackett can see what, why they didn't win the Premiership that year, which, to be brutally honest, was they were just unlucky, and Curly Beale didn't play in the final. Um, but he can take all the experience from that game, and that's why I, if they do end up at Sandy Park, while Exeter would be big favourites, Blackett has at least got the experience of knowing, you know, if there is a crowd, what semi-final away from home is like unfortunately having been involved in discussions today regarding listening in on DCMS stuff I don't think any of us would be allowed to go if Exeter do get the hope or who if we are away in the semi-final I think it will be home fans only which could be a big plus if we do finish second um, but you know those what builds a team and it happened with the Delalio era because they lost a lot of cup finals in the late 90s um, before they start, before they went on their big run of winning at Twickenham virtually every week, um, so that's where I think they have been smart in terms of not, of, of, in terms of giving it to Lee full time because it would have been it would have been very easy. And we sat here and listed a load of names when Die went, and Lee Blackett was not one of them to take the job full time. And it would have been you know, and and had this not struck, he might not have got the chance. Had there been more money in the in the in the back but the fact that he has been given the chance and I really hope he gets a, a, a decent stab at, at showing it at showing you know what a good rugby brand he is I've, had, I've met him a couple of times and the bloke lives in breeze rugby I bet he watched all five games before Sunday yeah um, so you know he is you know he's obviously not a, a well-known coaching name and there were people who wanted a bigger name and I completely understand that um, but this is a man with a very, very good rugby brain, and he w- he will have banked everything that happened in that season. They reached the final, and and, and will want to put it right. 
Yeah, and I think that they've done a really good job with hirings as well. Yeah, I spoke a lot when we hired Ian Costello to come in as a defence coach. I spoke very highly of him because I thought very highly of him and I still think very, very highly of him. He did a great job at Nottingham. He's done a great job at Munster and he was there as the defence coach. And I said, give him time. Give him time to implement his way of doing things because it takes time to take these players who have been trained to do things a certain way for so long to then have to come in and listen to a, a new guy, especially something like defence, where it's so much about organisation, it's so much about making sure you're doing the right thing all the time, you're making the right decisions. And yeah, he's got a lot of criticism this year, where I think mostly from people who don't know the story, don't know how relatively new he is to the club, who just seen that, you know, at the start of this season, failings in defence were similar to how they had been in previous years and hadn't really appreciated that the new guy had just sort of taken charge or just got involved with it and it was going to take a, a little while to to bed in. And now it's bedded in and, and they've obviously done loads of work in this sort of extended pre-season that they've had and it showed this weekend. But also I want to I want to have a a little bit of a, a say for how good the hire of Martin Gleeson as the new attack coach looks. Wasps, the move that started it all, they looked slick. They are, they're doing things in attack that are good, but not amazing all the time. And with the talent you have on the field, you have to, you only have to be good. You don't have to be amazing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Gleeson looks a very good appointment. Um, and yeah, we've only seen what, 80 minutes of his attack coach stuff at Wasps. So we don't really know what it's going to be like full time, but early signs are, are really, really good. And I'm just, I'm really bullish with where we are. And this gets, this is so much easier to do this podcast when you feel like that. It's so much easier to come on here and talk for an hour about Wasps when we're happy with the way things are and when they're playing well and it's they're confident it's a lot like the playing and being involved in the club in that respect you know the players looked happier they looked more confident this weekend than they had done in a long time i think and i just think the break whilst it did potentially haunt momentum really gave them a chance to reset and i i i I think there's big things ahead for this squad. You've got a great infusion of really talented, experienced guys and great youngsters coming through. I'd be really interested if he can get fit to see Sam Spink at 13 this weekend against Worcester. It might be too many young players in there and, and with Mills, who's new as well, they might not go with it. But if they've been running Mills and Spink together a bit in training, maybe you give you give him a chance because I think that you know you've got a chance here to give some of these young players a real lot of experience and really bring them on. You know, the last great crop to come through came through because we had to play them because we had no one else, and they're in a sort of similar situation here where you're going to have to play some of your youngsters because you've got so many games in a short space of time and. I hope that we do see some of these young players because if, if any of them can have half the impact that Jack Willis has had, you know, you've got a really solid premiership starter. Yeah, there. absolutely. 
Absolutely. And they're gold dust. You know, getting solid premiership players from your academy is the only way to be successful in the salary cap era. The new salary cap era. Yes, yes. Well, you know, uh, that made the uh, made the joke about that on the Twitter account, and no one seemed to pick it up really. Um, you know, we obviously saw Mr. Fekatoa and his tackling prowess this weekend, and someone replied to one of our tweets saying that so and so deserved to be tackled by Fekatoa, and I said, no one deserves that. Not even the Saracen salary cap manager deserves that. There is there is nothing there there is nothing in the world you could give me to take a hit from Malachi Fekatoa. World peace, not taking one for the team. <laughs> not taking one for the team. There, I'd consider it for a cure for cancer, but even then, I don't know if I'm taking one for the team because they they are scary, scary hits. Right, I think that's just about enough from us. You know, enough, enough waffle, enough uh, of us going on about how we think Wasps are going to get our home semi-final. Um, if we talk it enough, it's going to happen. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the uh, the new the new shows. The new shows. We are back. We're going to try and keep this going as much as we can in between the games. Um, you know, things are very much up in the air for both of us, like they are for everyone at the minute. So. You know, even more so than normal when we're. But at the minute, there is very little outside uh, activities going on, so obviously we we have it a little bit easier to get together and podcast. So hopefully, we should be doing a show in between every single Wasps game as much as as much as possible. Um, just quickly before we go, I mentioned it a little bit in the recording this Saturday. I'm doing a charity bike ride. It's for Jason Leonard's Atlas Foundation. Um, which is a charity that goes around the world, particularly in uh, areas of Africa, and uses rugby to make people's lives better, make the lives of especially young young people's lives better through education, through rugby, and um, whether it's taking old old rugby kits and giving them away to people, whether it's taking um, balls and equipment to get people playing rugby, and as I say, whether it's through through education there. So we've raised almost £7,000 so far. I'm cycling 85 miles from London to Norfolk. Um, anyone who knows me, who's seen me at a Wasps game, will know that uh, I'm not really built for cycling in terms of the shape of my body. So um, it's going to be it's going to be an achievement, certainly. Um, when we when we get it done, if you have any money, and I know for a lot of people money is quite tight at the minute. Um, certain people, it is uh, you know circumstances are uncertain, and I don't want you to to donate or feel like you're pressured into donating if that's your, the case for you. But if you have a little bit of a little bit of spare change lying around, a little bit of spare money lying around, we would absolutely love any donations. It's up on the Wasp Report Twitter page. I'll repost it again after this and uh after directing you all there um yeah just drop a little bit of money in and, and that would be amazing if you could uh do so that's all from us make sure you follow us on twitter um love the interaction it was a really really good weekend in terms of interaction you guys were amazing you really really made it fun to be on twitter during the game after the game before the game um so yeah, keep that up and, and let's let's all enjoy it. Enjoy this running. You know, we've had the time without rugby. Let's appreciate it now. It's back and it's here. 
so uh, stay well stay safe and and hopefully we will uh, we'll be back in touch with one another after another wasp win next friday <laughs>